Here at Stockholm Community, our heart really is to uh, know God. That is our first priority. And then when we know God, we find our freedom. When we find freedom, we can discover our purpose and then make a difference. And that's the path that we follow. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Because we believe that God has a calling on each and every one of our lives. And uh, he wants to do something big and amazing in your life. So we just got back from Christmas break. Hopefully you all had a great Christmas. Some of you, I believe, traveled. Some of you may have stayed in Stockholm. For us, it was nice. We actually stayed here for Christmas. And um, you know at Christmas time, you, you get together with family and you get together with friends. Did anyone get like that weird gift that you weren't sure how to react when you opened it? Anyone? Yeah, maybe. Or when you are at like the Christmas table and all of a sudden there's that one dish that you really don't want to try because it just looks weird. And then you go, hmm, but maybe I should be polite. You know, we have all different kinds of experiences. I have a funny story I want to share with you because it, it's a little bit out of character for me. And so I thought, well, you know, we're going we're gonna to share it. Um, Brian and I had the incredible privilege of going to Ireland for a couple of days. And uh, Cam and Laura, Cam just walked out, so I can't say anything because he just walked behind the curtain. But Laura, who's up here leading guitar, her and Cam got married. So huge congratulations to Cam and Laura. Uh, let's see how many Sundays we're going to celebrate you. You know, I feel like every Sunday we're going to just keep, oh, Cam's in the back. So if you want to turn around and get Cam, we're going to get applaud to Cam too. He was part of all of this. Well, we had the privilege of going and uh, being part of their wedding, and it was beautiful. I mean, the backdrop, backdrop was a castle from 1180. Okay, it can't get, I mean, come on, you set it up pretty good when that's your backdrop. But uh, we were there, had some great downtime. Um, it was just Brian and I. And so traveling with kids, without kids, is, is pretty easy, right? It's like, it's just us. We just have to keep track of ourselves. And, uh, but still, we want to make sure we got to the airport actually early and uh, went through security and, you know, it was a little busy. I was chatting with a lady in front of us, uh, an older lady, and she's like, yeah, I always get stuck at security. They always double check me. I don't know why. And it happened to her. And so I gave her a little encouragement, you know, as we were all leaving the security. And then our flight got delayed. And uh, so we went to Starbucks. We're taking our time just enjoying the Dublin airport and, of course, getting those last-minute souvenirs for the kids. Because when you don't take your kids on a trip, what do you need to do? you got to bring gifts back for them, okay? So we're picking up the last little stuff that we could find at the gift shop. Paid way too much for it. And then, um, and then my husband has this thing that he doesn't like standing in line to get on the plane. So either we're, like, really early to get on the plane or we're among the last people to get on the plane. So, um, so we, we wait, and, uh, you know, it's, it's getting, like, thinning out. So we're like, okay, it's time to get on the plane. And uh, I had one big purse that's like my magical purse, like everything fits into it. And of course, when there's no food being served on the airplane, you need to have your drinks in there and you need to have your food and your fruit. And so my bag was pretty heavy. And so this is the one you have to go actually outside. So we go outside, go start up the stairs to the plane. We get into the plane and I'm like, I'm going to pull out my laptop because I'm going to work. You know, it's been a nice, calm Christmas, but I got two and a half hours on a flight. Let's get some work done. And I open up my purse, and I look down, and I'm like, oh, my computer is not in my bag. And I, I look at Brian, and I got this look. I, I just turned around and started going down the stairs. You know, I'm like, my computer. And so I realized I left it at security. 
Now, because we were the last people to get on the plane and the flight was already delayed, when I looked at the staff and I said, hold the plane, I got to run and get my laptop, they're like, no. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's my church laptop. Like, I need it. And they're like, you're never going to make it. I'm like, I'm a fast runner. Okay, I might have lied a little bit, but you know, but I was like, no, I'll run as fast as I can. And if you've been to the Dublin airport, it's actually a pretty big airport. So to get from security to the gate, it's not like here to the back of the room. Like, honestly, it was like a 10-minute walk. And so me saying I'm going to run it fast, yeah. And so the guy just looked at me, he's like, sorry. So Brian and I are like, what do we do? Another night in Dublin, huh? It's kind of nice, but we had kids at home, and we had so we finally decided Brian was going to take the plane, and I was going to figure out a way to get back to Stockholm. And they're like, "Oh, there's a there's a flight to Oslo, so you can make it to Oslo." But we leave in 10 minutes for Oslo, so if you're going to make it to Oslo, you still got to run. So I wave goodbye to Brian. I run to security. There was my laptop. Had to prove that it was mine, and then I run back. So let's just say. Um, I didn't need to work out that day because my face really showed that how out of shape I was. And so then I get on the plane, I land in Oslo, but I have no ticket to Stockholm. Like, I have no ticket. But I figured at least if I got to Oslo, I was in Scandinavia. There's always a way to get home, right? There's not like a big body of water. But anyway, Scandinavian Airlines was great, and uh, they gave me a ticket, even though I don't think they were supposed to, but I got back to Stockholm. But if you had a Christmas a break that was like that, that was adventurous, it makes for some good stories, right? And our life is made up of good stories. And uh, let's just say, I prayed a lot during uh, that time. And then let's just add the, the funny note to that is um, because I had the big purse and everything was in it, when Brian arrived in Stockholm, he did not have the car keys. I had the car keys. So he had to take the bus home. <laughs> and I got to take the car home. It was awesome. So, uh, so just make sure if you ever need to separate when you're traveling with someone that they have what they need. Well, we are kicking off a brand new series, and it is called Lead With. And this is a series we're actually going to do the entire year. Yeah, I know. The entire year. And you're like, isn't that going to get a little bit boring? No, it's not going to get boring. It's going to be an awesome series that we're going to do. But every month we're going to have some different focuses. It's a phrase that um, I started using a lot this fall. And it was just lead with generosity. You know, when we approach people, when we see people, when we do life, let's lead with generosity. And as I was praying for this year, I said, God, what do you want us as a church to focus on? What do you want to teach us? What do you want to show us? And God really said, I want you to lead with different things in your life. And so we are, we're going to kick off a series today called Lead With, uh, and so we're going to add prayer to it. We're going to add faith to it. We're going to add the word to it. We are going to add kindness. We're going to add love to it. And so every month we're going to do a specific focus so that we can lead our lives well. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.1, he says, live a life worthy of your calling. And so we have been given this one amazing life, this one amazing opportunity to make a difference. And so we want to lead our lives in a way that is worthy of the calling that God has given us. And guess what? Each and every one of us, every one of us in this room has a calling on our life of God. Now, one of the things that he calls us to do is to make him known to know him and to make him known. Matthew 28, 18 through 19 says this, God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet. 
far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up until the end of ages. And so God says, I've given you this one life, and I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to share about who I am. I want you to lead your life. So how do we do this? How do we lead this one life that God has given us? Because you know what? We don't grow accidentally. We don't learn accidentally. We don't apply God's truth accidentally. We don't live out biblical values accidentally. It is something that we have to do daily, that we make that daily choice to say, Lord, I want to live my life in a way that honors your name. So first out, what we're going to do is we are going to lead with prayer. I thought it would be a great way to start off the year to say, hey, we're going to start off the year with prayer. And do you know what? I find this so interesting. Everybody prays. I don't know if you know that, but everybody prays. I don't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your background. Everybody prays. When there's a crazy driver on the road, everybody prays, right? When your baby isn't sleeping, we pray. When we're sick, we pray. You know, when we're like laying there in bed with the flu, it's like, oh God, make it stop, right? We pray. When we are single, we pray. We're hoping for that one special person to come into our life. When we're married, we pray. This isn't what I sign up for, God. Help, right? No. When our children go to school, we pray. When we want a pr uh, promotion, we pray. When the airplane takes off or lands or you miss your flight, we pray. And it is something that actually, whether we realize it or not, and whether we have faith or not, it's something that's actually inside of us to call upon something that is bigger than us. And here's the good news is that we have found that in Jesus Christ. And so um, just to give you the example that everyone prays, these are airplane stories today, but uh, Brian and I, uh, many, many years ago, we were flying uh, into Chicago O'Hare Airport, and it was in the winter. And if you've been in the Chicago area at winter, it is cold, and snowstorms can come, and uh, not a lot of visibility. And, uh, but it was snowing as we were about to land. Uh, we had actually had to circle for a while uh, outside of Chicago just because the weather was so bad. And all of a sudden, the pilot says, you know, um, we are actually running a little low on fuel. I don't know why a pilot would tell you that. I really don't need to know that we are running low on fuel. But he says, we're running a little low on fuel, so the good news is we are next in line to land. Okay, do you think people started praying on the plane at that moment? Oh, dear God, you know. And so and you can just look out the window. I mean, you can see, like, it's a pretty good storm. So here we go. The approach comes. You know how you feel the plane? It's just, go, you know, you see you go over the long-term parking. You go by us where the rental cars are. And you're like, we're all going to be on the ground soon. We made it. And all of a sudden, the plane goes from this to like that. And the pilot comes on the plane again, or on the, over at the intercom again and says, uh, there was another plane that didn't make it off the runway, so uh, we ha couldn't land. We're going to try this again, people. What do you mean we're going to try it again? And so again, what do we do? You go, oh, dear God, 
<laughs> we're running out of fuel. There are planes stuck on the runway, you know. And I'll tell you, whether you were a believer or not, you were praying on that plane. Everybody prays. Because we know when we call upon something that is bigger than us, we are saying, come into my life and do something. So pray. Two weeks on prayer, Carolyn. What are you going to talk about in prayer? This is probably one of the biggest and most important things in our Christian walk is our communication with God. And it is not a one-way communication. Prayer is actually a continual communication with God. It actually says in the New Testament, pray without ceasing. So always be praying. Always be talking to God. Continually be communicating with him. But I have a key point, and I want you to kind of keep this key point with you. We're going to repeat it at the end, but this is the point I want you to take home today. And as you think about prayer, God, tell me what is on your heart, and then I will tell you what is in mine. A lot of times we do it reverse, right? We give God this long to-do list. God, do this, do this, do this, do this. I need this, I need this. God, 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 God. Do you have anything to say? God, no, okay, good, we're good. But what if we turned our prayer life around and we said, well, before I start asking God for stuff, I want to hear what's on his heart. What does he have for me? What does he want to speak to me? Because maybe, just maybe, what he speaks to me first will already answer all of my prayer needs that I have. Just a thought. Listen as much as you speak. And we are in the society where there's a lot of talking going on. There's a lot of noise. And when do we just sit and be quiet and say, God, I want to hear you. Come and speak to me. When do we silence? And, and I, I'm guilty of this as well. Of There are times when, you know, I, I have worship music on and I have stuff going on. There's always noise. And I think I miss God. I sometimes miss, I think, his whisper where he just wants to get my attention because I got too much other. I got too much static going on. So when we think about prayer, it's a two-way communication. But let's spend more time listening than actually talking. When we talk about prayer, I think there's some different postures of prayer. I'm going to get a little practical with you here. Obviously, when I pray, I can stand. I can just be standing and talking to God. There are moments when I pray, I, I will actually get down on my knees. And, and if for me, it's one way of just saying, God, um, you are God. I, I want to surrender to you. Um, I want to kneel before your throne. Now, I don't see the throne, and, and it's not right before, but, but it's, it's a heart thing, too. Um, there are times, I, and I won't do now because I may not be able to get up, but I'll lay on the ground, and I'll just lay before the Lord. And, and, and again, it, it's a reflection of my heart to say, God, you are Lord. Um, I've done that at times. We, we grew up in an amazing church, um, or I got to spend some years in an amazing church in the U.S., and, and they actually had their church open all the time. And no matter what time of the day, uh, a bunch of us would show up to pray. It could be 10 o'clock at night on a Friday night, and we would just go and pray. And there were times I'd lay on the pew or I'd lay on the ground and just say, God, I want you to speak to me. God, I want you to do something in my life. Um, the other thing that I do too when <laughs> I pray, I walk a lot. I walk. And, and I think of that, some of my favorite times to talk with people is actually going on a walk. 
So sometimes when I walk and pray, it's just me walking and talking to God uh, and having him walk with me. And, and it kind of helps me stay focused too. So we have our physical posture, our physical posture of praying. So kneeling, standing, laying down, and walking with God. And then we have our heart posture. God, you are God. You are the Lord of my life. I want to hear you. And I want to be in communication with you. And I want to be in communion with you. I think of it so oftentimes I compare my relationship with God as to my relationship with Brian, my, hu- my husband. And um, like if I only talked to Brian when I needed stuff, I, that, I don't know if that would be a really good, you know, marriage. Or I talked to him when I had time. Or I talked at him the whole time and I didn't take the time to listen or get to know him or, you know, so, so it's a hard issue too. God, I want to spend time with you and I want to know you. And so we have the physical and we have a, a heart posture. Now, scripture is great because it, it teaches us actually how to pray. And uh, we are going to dive deep into Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. Uh, I'm going to be reading it out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, uh, but it's the Lord's Prayer. And so we're going to go through it, and we're actually going to end up going through it verse by verse. Uh, Because if we can lay our foundation for our prayer life to where it needs to be, then we have something secure to build our faith upon. And so here we go, Matthew 6, and we're going to start in verse 5. And I love Jesus' straightforwardness. Like, you know, when Jesus says stuff, you don't have to guess what he's trying to say. But here he goes. He's like, when you pray, don't be like those show-offs who who love to stand up and pray in the meeting places and on the street corners. They do this just to look good. I can assure you that they have already have they, their reward. So he says, okay, great, you know, pray, but don't do it to show off. Don't try to impress people with your prayers. Don't go out in public. And, and I'll say, if the only time I prayed was here in front of you, that, that doesn't say much to you about my relationship with God. Or the only time I pray is if my small group gets together or when I'm here at church. No, God's like, don't show off. Don't do it so other people will think more highly of you. But he says, no, I want to communicate with you. I want to have an intimate relationship with you. So he continues here, uh, Jesus, in verse 6, he says, When you pray, go into a room alone and close the door. Pray to your father in private. He knows what is done in private, and he will reward you. And the whole thought there behind there is Jesus saying, your relationship with me does not have to do with anyone else around you. It's you and me. And so you may need to. So it's just you and I. Go into your room, close the door, prayer closet, and communicate with me. Shut out all the other distractions. Prioritize me. Now, Obviously, there is time for public prayer. We get together. We do it every Sunday before service. The dream team, the volunteers get together and we pray. We pray here during service. Yeah, we do that together. But again, this is not the foundation of our prayer life. This is the icing on the cake of our prayer life. See, everything else is done in the private in our home. Verse 7, 
I love this. When you pray, don't talk on and on as people who don't know God. They think God likes to hear long prayers. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask. So it's not that the longest prayers are the ones that get the answers. Okay, how am I going to formulate this prayer? i got to have this many words, this many sentences, and then God will hear me. That's not the Father heart of God. You don't have to jump through hoops for him to answer the prayer because he cares for you. Now, have you ever heard someone pray and you think, do they talk like that normally? Are those words? I've never heard that word before. You know where they go, our father, you know, and you're like, I don't talk to my dad like that, you know? I mean, they just put on this, like, it has to be like this big show, and God's like, no, you don't have to talk a lot. I already know what you need. Just come to me. Come to me as you are. Uh, One of my, a pastor in my life, Jeannie, she used to say this, short prayers reach the throne room of God if you don't live far away. Short prayers reach the throne room if you don't live far away. And so I think at times when we feel distant from God, we feel like we have to add more words to justify our request or say, God, I'm okay, right? We're good here, and I'm going to add this because then maybe you're going to hear me. But when I have an intimate, close relationship with God, there are times I just say, God, help. I just need your help. And I don't have to go into all of the details. And I specifically don't have to tell him how he should help me. (laughs) Any of you do that? Lord, I need your help. So I need you to do this, 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 and this. Right? And God's like, come on. I'm God. Trust me. I'm going to work it out for you. Trust my plan. So as we dive into the Lord's Prayer, the first part of the Lord's Prayer helps us to connect with God relationally. And it starts like this, our Father in heaven. And I love it that when the Lord says, pray like this, the first sentence he says in the prayer is, our Father in heaven. What does that right away tell us? Our Father. It's not Brian's father. It's not Sarah's father. It's not just Abraham's father. It's not just Moses' father. It's our father. There's an ownership right now, an ownership, but but an adoption into God's family right away, that we are his children. So it's our father. We read in in Romans 8, 15, where it says, call out to the Lord, Abba, Father. And Abba can be translated as Papa, Papa, Father. It says of the closeness. Now, in a room like this, there can be some of us who have grown up with not such a great relationship with our father. It wasn't healthy and it wasn't good. And, and so to all of a sudden start ca- calling God father can be hard. If that is you, this is what I want you to challenge you to do is look at the scripture, look at the father heart of God. And, and, and especially if you didn't have a good father, you will see that God is that perfect father and that you can call him that. The second part that we see in the Lord's Prayer is worship his name. So it says, help us to honor your name. So we start 
you know, the, the Lord's Prayer with our Father in heaven, help us to honor your name. So it's about the Lord's name. Proverbs 18.10 says, For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. There is power and there's authority in the name of Jesus, in the name of God. So when we proclaim his name, we are not only worshiping him, but we also remind ourselves how powerful and how strong he is. But help me to honor your name. Help me, Lord. Because now that you are my father and I'm a follower of your son, Jesus, help me through my words and my actions to honor your name. And then we come down to the third one, pray God's will. And so in verse 10, we read, come and set up your kingdom so that everyone on earth will obey you as you are obeyed in heaven. Come and set up your kingdom, not Carolyn's kingdom, your kingdom, so that everyone on earth will obey you. And, and so this is the one where God says, it's really about my way, and it's about my will, and it's about my kingdom, and I want things to align itself according to how I do things. Put God first. Really, really put God first. Psalm 25, 4 through 5, we've already read it together here today, but it's our memory verse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God, my Savior. My hope is in you all day long. So we see that in that third section of the Lord's Prayer, it's about God's will, not mine. Luke 12, 31 says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So that's why we put God's kingdom first. We say, bring your kingdom here, because when we do that, he's going to give us everything that we need. God wants obedience from us, because he knows what he offers us is the best. It really is the best. Then we come to the fourth section of the Lord's Prayer, and it really reminds us to depend on God for everything. Give us our food for today. Oh God, come and give us our food for today. So that teaches me again that I can trust God, that he will take care of my daily needs he is trustworthy. Psalm 121, 121 verses 1 through 2 says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. So I know that God is trustworthy. So I can pray the prayer, give us our food for today. And here's my little side note. And uh, maybe we don't struggle with putting food on the table every day. We have a paycheck that comes in, and we can go to Ica or Hemshep, wherever, and we can get. But I think there's still that, Lord, give me what I need for today. Let me seek what I need today. And may I trust you with what you are giving me today. 
Again, aligning my life with all that God has for me. The fifth part of the Lord's Prayer, forgive and be forgiven. And it says in verse 12, forgive us for doing wrong as we forgive others. Here's the beautiful news that God has offered us complete forgiveness through the name of Jesus Christ. And we can receive it at any time. So if I am struggling here today and I have a sin in my life and the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on my heart and says, there's this one thing going on in your life. It doesn't honor my name. I want you to repent and turn from it. I want you to ask for forgiveness. God's going to say, yes, you have it. It's that freely. Again, I love it, and I say this a lot, but we don't have to jump through hoops for God to forgive us. But even as it says this, forgive us for doing wrong. So it starts with us asking for forgiveness, but then it's as we forgive others. 1 John 1.19 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. But I have to confess it first. I got to say it. God, I'm so sorry. You know, the moments I lose my temper with my kids, that's sin. Yeah, I might have had a bad day. I might have reason to it for it. I could justify it. But the scripture also says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So when I, can we be real for a little bit? When I lash out on my kids, maybe I'm tired, I'm stressed, they're not listening, I'm actually sinning. And not only do I need to ask God for forgiveness, but I need to ask my children for forgiveness. One of the best ways you will teach your kids about the forgiveness of God and what it means to repent when we are wrong and confess when we're wrong is to model it before them. You know what? I blew it. I said some things. I reacted in a way I shouldn't have. Will you forgive me? And the big thing with forgiveness, and this is so key, is forgiveness is a choice. It is not an emotion. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't wait until I deserved forgiveness to give it to me. And there are times I don't feel like forgiving. But I say, Jesus, I choose to forgive. Now, my feelings may still be hurt. The situation may be horrible. But I set myself free. And I give all the responsibility to God to deal with that person when I say, I choose to forgive. So again... It's not an emotion. Don't wait for your feelings to feel like you should forgive someone. Because then you will just end up in a big ball of a mess. And that unforgiveness can turn into bitterness. And I think that's so key that Jesus put this in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us for doing wrong as we forgive others. Because the Bible is clear too. If we don't forgive others, God's not going to forgive us. If I hold on to unforgiveness. Man, there's freedom in forgiving people. That's not easy. I have, um, a few years ago, um, just something happened. And um, I just got hurt really bad. And, like, it physically hurt. And, and it was just something that someone had said. 
and it was someone who was close to me. And man, like, it just hurt. Like, it almost like ached all the way in my belly because it was like, I can't believe they said that about me. I can't believe that this was their attitude towards me. And I struggled for a long time. And, and then I just had to make that choice. I'm going to choose to forgive them. And I've probably said more than, I'll be honest, 50 times, God, I choose to forgive them. God, I choose to forgive them. Now, they've never come back and apologized, but I've had to say, God, I choose to forgive them. I choose to forgive them. I choose to forgive them. And then I'd be fine for a little bit, and then all of a sudden my emotions would rage. Something would happen. Something would remind me of either them or the situation, and then my emotions would rage again, and I'm like, God, I choose to forgive them. Because again, it's a choice. And I'll say now, and it's, it's taken time, I can say, okay, I have forgiven them. Now that doesn't mean that relationship has been restored. See, forgiveness doesn't always mean that everything goes back to the way it was before. Okay? But forgiveness is saying, you wronged me. You know it, I know it. But I choose to forgive you for what you did to me. With no strings attached, with no bitterness, because of Jesus forgiving me. And I think they're so deliberate that Jesus says this in the forgive others. Then we come to the sixth part, verse 13. It says, keep us from being tempted and protect us from evil. It is very real that we have an enemy who wants to destroy us. He has a purpose to come and to kill and to steal and to destroy and it says in 1 Peter verses 5 through 8, Be on your guard and stay awake. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking around to find someone to attack. And here's the deal. None of us in this room have, will fall for the exact same temptation. We all have different things. We all have different things that we struggle with, weaknesses in our life. And the enemy will go and look for what our weak point is. And here it says, God says in his prayer, keep us from being tempted and protect us. James 4, 7 says, surrender to God, resist the devil, and he will run from you. So when your life is surrendered to God, you have the ability to resist temptation. You have the ability to make the right choice. You have the ability to find a way out. When temptation stands there and you stand before a choice, do I go God's way or do I go the enemy's way? God will always give you an option to go the right way. But we need his protection. There are times that we will believe lies and our lies seem to be reinforced by our circumstances. And so I really want to encourage you too to be praying as you pray, Lord, reveal to me what lie am I believing in my life right now? It could be a lie that you're not valuable, a lie that you're not valued, a lie that you don't have purpose, a lie that you are ugly, a lie that no one likes you, a lie that your life will always be this way. And then you can say, to take the Lord's Prayer, and you can say, no, I'm going to resist. Help me to resist the devil's temptation. 
And I love it because John 10, 10 says this, or actually we're going to go to Ephesians first. Ephesians 6, 12 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So realize what you are fighting. There are times when Brian and I will fight. Yes, Brian and I fight, just so you know. We do not have a perfect marriage. Um, I know, I know, just so you know. Some of you are like, whew, I was wondering why they, you know. Uh, but we do. We fight 21 years into this, you know. But there are sometimes we have to look at each other, and, and we do, and we go, this is not about us. There's some other stuff going on right now, you know. There's some spiritual warfare going on right now. There's some things that the enemy, some lies, the enemy wants us to buy into so that we will stumble, so that we will not stand united. And so there are. There are. There's just spiritual, and we'll spend some more time on this, but, but there are. There's a spiritual battle that we cannot see. And ask God to give you eyes to see what it is so you don't get stuck. Because there are times we fight about the silliest things at times. And you would think after 21 years we'd be over fighting silly things, but sometimes we just fight over silly things. And a lot of times it just comes down to a small miscommunication. But what is it? A lot of times before big events happen in a church or before we see God do a breakthrough, we feel we feel this battle raging around us. But when we start get united and we start praying together and start fighting together, the whole atmosphere changes. And so that's the other thing I want to encourage you. If you are, are married, pray with your spouse. Stand with your spouse. When you find yourself in a struggling moment, don't just look for solutions. Go to God first. That was a little side note. John 10.10. 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's what God wants to give you. The thief, he wants to steal and destroy, but God comes to give you life. And then we come to the very last verse here of the Lord's Prayer. And it says, help me stay the course, Lord. Help me stay the course. So we've gone through this whole prayer. And the last one that Jesus says says, help me stay the course. And I love it. We can read it also in 2 Timothy verse 4 through 7. And Paul writes this letter and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And so when I fight the fight and I finish the race, when I stay the course, there is a prize for me at the end. So as we talk about leading with prayer, lead with prayer before your day begins. Let's lead with prayer. Even if it's a small prayer when you wake up, Lord, be with me today. You know, pray before you go to bed. God, Connect. I want to connect with you before my head hits the pillow and I go into slumber. Pray before you go to work or school. Pray before you send that text or post on social media. Is this a good idea, Lord? Yes or no? And a lot of times I think he would say no. You know, why do I need to post this? Pray before you eat, before you drive, before you travel. Pray before bad things happen. Pray before you make big decisions. In every situation, pray first. See, when I pray for my girls, and, and those are, they are probably the ones I pray the most for, 
my prayers are not just reactionary, but I'm actually praying into my girl's future. And, and the easy example I can give you is I'm already praying for their future boyfriends or boyfriend. Hopefully they don't have several boyfriends, <laughs> you know, but I, I'm already praying. I'm not waiting for the boyfriend to show up at the doorstep and I go, oh, God, not him, right? No, I'm already praying, saying, God, as they are building relationships and friendships, may they seek the best. May they not settle. I'm already praying for their future husband, okay? Didn't want to plural that one. Husband, you know, because just because you get married doesn't mean life gets easy and the whole relationship is figured out. No, I'm praying already for the relationship with their husband. I'm praying for unity. I'm praying that he is a believer. I'm praying that they can dream dreams together and have just this amazing God-purpose life. I'm praying it before it becomes reality. I don't go, oh, now she's engaged. Now I should pray for him. No, Malu's 12, I'm already praying for her future husband. I'm praying for my girls of how they view themselves and the calling on their life. I'm praying for them to protect their hearts. I'm praying for them to choose their right friends. You see, I start with prayer. I lead with prayer. I don't just react and say, oh, God, now I need help. Oh, God, this went wrong. No, I say, God, this is one I want to see in my life. I'm praying scripture over my girls because I know when I pray God's word over them, it is truth and it is sustainable and it is what will carry them. And so when we say lead with prayer, you have to make that choice. Will I seek God first? And remember, it's not just about me talking, but it's about me hearing him back. God, tell me what is on your heart. And then I will tell you what is on mine. I want to hear God first. Because when I hear God first... I'm going to get the answers that I need. He already knows what I need. He already knows my concerns. He already knows what keeps me up at night. He already knows why I grind my teeth at night while I sleep because I'm stressed. He already knows those secret prayers that I hold on to and say, God, when will you answer? And God wants you to know that he is with you and he is for you. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me? As we close the service, I wanted us to read the Lord's Prayer uh, together. Um, I preached out of the CEV, but we're going to actually read it together at the end now in the NIV, because I think that might be the more common if if you have grown up in an English-speaking culture to be the one that you do. But would you go ahead and pray it with me?